Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. This is by far the most requested guest we've ever had, the great Kriegel Maurer. Just won his fifth straight X-Alps, uh, three times world champion, acro champion. He's won the X-Pier, Dolly Media Man, you name it. This guy crushes. He is the undisputed king of our sport, uh, the best pilot the sport has ever had probably ever will have. Uh, I always call him the Kelly Slater of paragliding. Uh, this was just an amazing opportunity to sit down with him. We were planning on doing it in Monaco at the end of the race, but of course, uh, very few people made it to Monaco this time. It was it was actually quite reassuring to uh, get on the phone with Kriegel tonight and see that he looks a lot like I feel. Uh, this race broke a lot of folks. In fact, most of us, that uh, was a really hard go and it was good to see that it even crushed uh, somebody like Kriegel. Uh, even he had to do just a ton of time, and uh, ground miles and ground game. Before we get into this uh, amazing talk, uh, stick with me here for a second. Got a few things of housekeeping. Uh, number one, sorry for the gap. Uh, we, I was planning on sitting down with Pal Tackets, which I am doing here in the next couple of days, uh, for a show that we were going to release during the race that we were going to line up before the gun went off in Salzburg. But we didn't get a chance to do that because the pre-week before the race was pretty hectic and the weather was terrible. And so I just didn't get a chance to do that. So I apologize for the, the big gap here, but excited to bring you this show. We're certainly coming back with a bang. Nate Scales. And Nate, for the last couple of years, has been running what he's called calling the Intermountain Wide Open. Uh, those of you in Nevada, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, uh, did I say Montana? Yeah. Uh, you, we've got this kind of open, friendly comp. It's not really a comp, but it's just a means to get people together. It starts July 29th, ends August 13th. So that's two weeks and three weekends. It's basically your best four scores on X contest. And, uh, and then we get together for the final weekend and all fly together, but you can fly wherever you want. And, uh, in, in any of those zones and, uh, you put up your score and it's just fun. It's a hundred bucks to enter. There's a very good chance of winning a whole bunch of that money back. Uh, the last couple of years, it has been an absolute blast. We've gotten insanely good weather. Uh, so if you want to come out to the Rocky Mountains and get really super tall and fly some big lines with uh, great folks that are really stoked, um, I invite you to reach out to me or Nate. Uh, you can get hold of me via email and I'll put you in the right direction. He doesn't spend a lot of time on social media, so this isn't something we really put out there. But if you're in the zone, I highly recommend it. It's been a blast the last couple of years. So if you're not up at Canadian Nats or doing something else, um, come join us for the Intermountain Wide Open. Uh, we're going to do another little giveaway. Uh, uh, one of the podcast fans, a guy named Ben French down in New Zealand, he makes these really cool uh, knee acro GoPro mounts. Uh, not really acro, but they're just GoPro mounts for your knee that are great for training and for <clears throat> observing what you're doing in SIV or acro or whatever. Uh, they're called windymounts.com. He's given me four of those, so I'm going to give three of them away or maybe even four because I'm now using Garmin. So, and we'll do it like we did last time for the, uh, for the Garm, for the Delorme and for the, uh, Blue Sky Vario, uh, whoever puts out the best, uh, rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to the podcast, or maybe if you share it on social media, uh, just send me how you've shared it. If you do it in some kind of cool or funny way, and I'll pick out the, the four that I like the best. Uh, we'll do that, let's say, at the end of August and uh, send you one of these mounts. They're really cool. They're really well put together. So uh, 
Yeah, give us a rating on on any of those, however you listen to your podcast, and that just helps spread the word. Uh, another little thing is uh, Patreon. We we have this way of supporting the show where you kind of set it and forget it, and it's all on us to produce content. Each time we produce content, you get billed at whatever level you decide to support us at, whether that's a dollar or three dollars or five dollars. Just got these beautiful T-shirts in these cloud-based mayhem T-shirts and killer trucker hats. I uh, got some cool swag there. One of these days I'll be finishing my book, some other, anyway, you get rewarded uh, for supporting us on Patreon. And one of the things we're gonna do here with a future show uh, is someone's gonna interview me about the X-Alps. Uh, we've been getting a lot of requests for that and I don't have the interviewer yet. Maybe we'll do Nate or Farmer or somebody here in town and just talk about the X-Alps. And I'm gonna put that out exclusively to those who support the show. This is a listener-supported podcast. Uh, expenses are mounting. Those of you who support us, thank you so much. And those of you who don't, this is a little urge or nudge to uh, get involved. And uh, so we're gonna put that out just to the Patreon supporters or those of you who have supported us through through PayPal in the past. And so that'll just go out to just the folks that are supporting. It's gonna be a fun show. We'll put that out here in the next couple weeks. And uh, yeah, should be a blast. I think it's a blast anyway, talking about the X-Alps. This was a crusher of an event. We had really terrifically bad weather, broke a lot of guys, and uh, but just a complete blast. Kriegel and I talk about the X-Alps quite a bit in this show. We also talk about risk. I put out this morning, uh, that I was going to be having him on the show and you, our listeners, gave me tons of great questions. I asked as many as I could. I promise if I didn't get that in there, I apologize, but we did cover a ton of ground. Uh, really talked a lot about safety, um, what he's learned over the years. He does a lot of coaching at home and we talk about you know what he, what kind of valuable stuff he's passing along, climbing, gliding and planning and competitions and some of the things, not all, but some of the things that make Kriegel, Kriegel. This was just a really humbling experience. I was very thankful to have his time. Uh, that's a terrific talk. You're gonna dig it. You're gonna learn a lot and it's gonna inspire you to get out there and train. Without further ado, please enjoy, God, I did, enjoy this conversation with Kriegel Maurer. Kriegel, this is, uh even a little bit scary to have you on the show. You're by far the most requested guest, and I'm sorry we couldn't do this in person in Monaco, um, but thank <laughs> you so much for coming on uh, The Mayhem. It was fabulous to compete with you, uh, sort of compete with you <laughs> again uh, in the in the Alps uh, just a week ago. I think we wrapped that up, and uh, it's, it's just fantastic to get the opportunity to talk to you. So first of all, congratulations with a fifth <laughs> unprecedented Precedented, amazing, incredible to watch win. Uh, I know we're both uh, just looking at you here. You you look like I feel. I know we're both pretty tired, but uh, congratulations! Just an awesome effort, and you must be really psyched. Yeah, hi Gavin. Thank you very much for this, and uh, yeah, it was great and nice to hear you again. Yeah, I'm very tired now. Still, um, after one week, but uh, I recover fast, and I hope to be ready for training in two weeks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've already got your eyes on the next one. Yeah, there is some next competitions and I, I like to train more hard, more fast to, to be ready for the short and fast uh, competitions like a Dolomitian month. But uh, yeah, it's a kind of competition with hike and fly, but in a, in a very short 
uh, time. The, the, the race is around 30 minutes. It's mm. completely different to the X-Alps. But yeah, next challenge. Okay, well, let's let's get into it. I, I have some, we, I put out that I was going to be talking to you this morning on Facebook, got some great questions. Uh, the, the temptation for me, like I said, before we started recording is is just to ask about the X-Alps because it fascinates me and, and you you just dominate it. It's watching you perform there is, is really exceptional. So I, I do have some X-Alps questions, but then we'll transition yeah. to, you know, I know you're doing a lot of coaching and guiding and uh, I, I really want to tap into some of that knowledge so we can spread some of that. But first, just, just some X-Alps stuff that I think people are curious about. One thing is your wing choice. You know, you, you have moved through many manufacturers and I understand before this race and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were, you were trying quite a few different wings. Um, what's your methodology there? Why, uh, and, and why do you choose a three-liner? I think in every X-Alps, you've thrown, flown a three-liner. Obviously, your your wing of choice when you're competing and flying in the Alps is a two-liner. So why the three-liner mm-hmm. for the race, and why did you end up with the Skywalk? Yeah, for sure. it was um, For me, it was in, important to have the right wing. It was uh, very interesting to see what's, what's uh, on the market. And um, finally, I chose the three line Skywalk because um, it, it was the best compromise, I say, um, in in performance, in safety, in in fun. When I fly the two liner, I can feel um, a lot of performance, but only when I'm uh, really in a good shape. It means uh, during one day, ten hours, it's okay, but in a race like X Alps, after some days, I get so tired that I can't um, have a benefit of the, of the performance of the two-liner. So it means it's more important to, to feel comfortable on the wing than to have more performance. And now there is, um, uh, since three editions of X-Alps, they fly with two-liners. And the best result of a two-liner was r- rank four, I think. And th- there was no two-liner on the podium. So it shows that that the performance average of the uh, of the two liner it's not important in an adventure race. Mm. Mm. And uh, I I tried out, for example, um, to take off in strong wind conditions, to land in very small spots, um, and I never feel really comfortable on a two liner because the the, the the performance it's just too much. And I, I have more possibilities on the three liner. And so I, I can feel better even when I'm on the limit, when I'm tired. And this finally was for me uh, the decision to have a, a three line wing. Mm. And finally, the, the X-Alps 3 from Skywalk was the wing. It was finished in, in May. In May, I did my first uh, two competitions. Uh, pre-competitions before the X-Alps. And so it was the, 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 the completest wing, the, the Finnish wing. Um, finally, um, there was more than, more than three wings, three line wings. And, uh, yeah, I chose one in May and, uh, I think it was a good decision because the, the performance was quite good. Stability was perfect. And, um, also the handling was cool to fly. Mm. And uh, for me, it was was a, a great equipment. 
I read, uh, and you and I talked about this a little bit in the in the press conference when we did that in 2015. But I read that really, you know, for the physical side of the training, you kind of aim for 30,000 meters a month uh, <laughs> in the run up to the X Alps. Um, what about the mental side of things? One of the things that I know that is very different for you, some of the athletes, just because they have to do it because they have jobs or they don't have the time. But when we sat next together in the press conference, I said, hey, what, what, what parts of the course have you been flying and learning? And you said, no, I, I don't do that at all before the race. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to, because it's so different in May and June than it is in July. I like to go in and, and see it with, with fresh eyes and fly it on the day, which really surprised me. I, I don't know why it surprised me knowing it's you, but it's, you know, would, would you have that same approach if it was in a place that you don't know? Like say, if you were doing an X Alps in the States or something, or somewhere where you haven't flown, would you still do it that way? Yeah, we was, was uh, really um, testing a lot of, of, uh, of, of movement before we did the first X Alps. And then it was the first edition and we was just not possible to, to visit all the places. So we, we tried to train as good as possible at home. And then we found out that it's, um, it's working quite well. And finally I was, uh, competing in the Pyrenees in the x and we was not able to, to, to stay there to, to visit any places. And it also works well. And finally, I have an example from uh, this year edition, um, because there was the turn point two in Slovenia and I was, I never was there, but I had some questions and I was asking, um, I think 10 or 12 teams, um, they was on this turn point and they was not able to answer, um, my question <laughs> because one day say, ah, oh, I was there. And I was flying so good. I was 1000 meter above the other says I was there, but it was not flyable. It was cloudy. I have no idea that the third says, okay, I was there, but it was snow. So I have no idea. Hmm. So it means there was 10 teams that was there, but no of them had an idea how it is. Or the other example is, um, the, the turn point five Garda like Lagarda, mm -hmm. Brent, um, Baldo, um, all the people they they talk to me, they say it's not possible to fly to the turn point because of the valley breeze, of the stability. It never will be possible. And on that day when I flew there, I never flew there before. And on that day, it was just weak valley breeze. So it was possible to fly until the close to the turn point. And not only for me, it was also flyable for Casper. Mm. And it was because the valley breeze was, was unusual, uh, soft. Mm. And this shows that, that when you know a place very well, that in the race, it can be different. And then you have no benefit. It's the opposite. You have a problem. Mm. You have these preconceived and, notions that aren't correct. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so there, th th this was one point, what should I say? Um, it's not efficient to, to check all the points. And the other point is clearly that, that, um, the race was in a new a route and this new places, it was very interesting for me to see. And I was really motivated to, 
to see all the places where are new. Mm. So it gives me the the motivation to do the race for a fifth time. Um, it, it was like uh, I was I, I feel like a, a, a child. They mm. can discover the world, and it was a great feeling. Also, this edition to have a new new places and uh, to have more peaks of the of the Alps now and. Yes, it's it was a good motivation to have no idea before. Mm. How, what is your what does your year look like in in a run up to the X Alps in terms of preparation? I, we've all heard these crazy stories about how um, exacting your training is, but also how experimental. You know, you have this. There's a video of you launching in the X Pier and just these crazy winds. Everybody's wind, seen yeah. it. It's fantastic, and you just. <laughs> walk up and there's another pilot who's <laughs> you can tell there's no Even. way they're going to launch yeah and you you just mm -hmm. do this incredible launch but i've heard of you you know uh testing out rotor behind cornices you know in the snow so if you crash it would be safe and i've heard you know ground yeah. handling in 60 kilometers an hour wind i mean one are, are these true because we've all heard them <laughs> but also is yeah. is that really um are you doing a lot of that kind of thing in, in preparation for the X Alps in anticipation of just flying in, in terrible conditions? Is that, is that, is that because of the X Alps or is that just how you train? No, I think uh, when I was test pilot for other ones, I was really often on the limit because it was, uh, it, it was just my job. And after, um, I really like to, to check, um, my limit or the limits of my equipment. And as long I feel good, I go forward. So, um, when I feel bad because of conditions or myself, I have to stop and turn around. And I know that when I want to compete in a hard race, I really have to, to train hard to be ready. And as hard I train, as, uh, easier it is in the race. It means, um, Flying in, 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 in wind conditions, they are around 50. Um, they, it, it's very hard to handle, but when it's um, a little bit less, it means windy um, about 40. It feels like easy. And when I can try to take off in uh, strong wind conditions and when I can do this in, uh, in the snow, then it means that I have more safety when something is wrong. And when I can um, do this often and I know how to manage, I can do this in a race, in a, in a, in a normal takeoff. It means to train even harder than it have to be in the race. It's my goal. Hmm. Do, yeah. Is mental training part of your program too? Because I know we, we talked before the race um, about Thomas and, I know he's a sports psychologist and, uh, you know, is there, are there things you do for your head before something like the X-Ops or, or maybe even before, uh, you know, when you were doing a lot more competing in the world cups and you had your, you, you know, you had the three time world champion. Is there, are there, are there very, are there things you do? Cause I, I know your f physical training is incredibly rigorous. We just talked about some mm -hmm. things you do for flying. Are there things you do for your head? Yeah, it's, I think it's 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 two it's two two points. One point is that I that I do this automatically. So it means I not do special training for my head, but 
I really do a lot of dreaming, dreaming how I can fly, how I can win a race, how I can do crazy things like aerobatic maneuvers. I was dreaming about infinity tumbling and after I, I was able to fly it, for example. And this I do often in the night. So it's an, a natural um, thing I do. And now I I had some some um yeah, I was thinking about a fifth edition for myself. Is it is it um, smart as a as a father to do this again and to fight hard in the nature and then i was thinking about some points which which um, motivates me to to do it right and when i was in uh, in the week before the race in fushl i got sick uh, because of cold and i was not feeling good and i really was on the on the corn or, or on the border to think about um I think it's over. I have no chance against the others. And finally, there was there was just uh, the mental training to to think about my strengths. So I, I, I was thinking about the last editions. Um, I think about the the nice parts in the race, and I really read them down to have paper in front of me, and I can see okay, my strengths are the flying. Um, the nice parts are the the adventure, the sunrise, the sunset, uh, the team spirit to be out in the nature, but have a team with me and all these nice things. And I think that's, that's a part of mental training, which I did, um, especially for the race in, in this year edition, especially because I was sick and, uh, not thinking about winning <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that helps me a lot. And, and so I was, on the on the Sunday, I was ready to to start, and after some hours in the race, I could I could really focus on the race, and there was no thinking about problems. So all all the things was away, and I was really focused in the race, and I was really happy to feel this change from the um, week before and to the race. Is there more pressure on you now or less? Do you when you, <laughs> when you come into you know, after winning it four times, going into the fifth time, do, are you more nervous or less nervous? Or do you get nervous? Yeah. It was funny that after one time, after the first win, it was less pressure. Because I thought, okay, I won already, so the other have to. And this time it was a bit more pressure because I really like to have five like uh, uh, five fingers and uh, <laughs> it, it was something like like um yeah um, i won four so why not the fifth but i also was was agreed that they are young strong uh, athletes i got older and older and yeah it's a long route and i have to be really uh, in a good shape but after i think two days when i was in the front the, f the feeling came that I can do it. So the pressure was away and, and I, I start to enjoy the race. And the pressure was really in the pre-week in Fuschl. It was, it was quite big because I, it doesn't feel good and uh, I really want to win. <laughs> <laughs> 
and 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 after two days three days uh, it was away and i think it's it's it, it was really a good feeling and also I, w- I was a bit relaxed and i could do better decisions and it was great to feel and on the second day i feel that i really can win the race again mm. are you I, I imagine not. I mean, I, you, you're, you're always out front. So maybe this is something you don't have much experience <laughs> with, but, um, I know, I know for me, I, I start to become greatly influenced by what you and other pilots have done in front of me because I can see, oh, this line worked or that line doesn't work. But in some ways that goes against what you were talking about in the beginning, because that's a different day. It's a different time. It's a different time of the day. Yeah. Are you, are you influenced by what other pilots are doing? Um, um, clearly you are in like a world cup, um, because yeah. everybody's doing the same thing, but are you, or are you just kind of on your own? It was funny. I had a lot of fans of pilots. They visit me because of the life tracking. They found me easy and they really talk to me how, how I have to do. <laughs> which trail I have to go, which launch I have to go, yeah. which line I have to fly. And I was really listening on them, but finally I had to take my own decision. And sometimes it was different what they say. And sometimes I feel mad because people want to help me and I do, I doesn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, I, I think it's, it's really important to do the next step exactly what what you feel it's the best step because to do something what the other did um can be helpful because you know that it's possible to go and then it's a good feeling and you can do the step but if you think about okay shit i like to do something else but before the other this this i have to do this also and i think then the feeling is not the best and then it's not the best to do it but, um, for example, on the second day, I was uh, a bit in the middle and all the, all the, the guys in front, they went to the, mm. the Grasaltal Valley in, in, to the south. Mm-hmm. And some of them, they went into the, to the left uphill to fly. And I, uh, my support told me that, that they do this. So maybe I have to do the same. And then I was thinking about why they do this. It makes no sense to me. Hmm. So better let's go to the to the right, to the to the, the uh, west. Yeah. Yes, and and finally it was the perfect decision. But I don't know why. <laughs> it was just just um, a feeling I had. Um, let's go to the to the good side of the sun. Um, to to go in the middle of two valleys, so I can switch the valley maybe. And afterwards, the wind was perfect to switch the valley, and it was a perfect move. And uh, I don't know why I did this, but I, I, I don't. In the, in the moment, I was not realized or or not thinking about to do the same what the other do, because it, in my eyes, it doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> that was the, that was actually the next question I was going to ask you. We were watching that move. You know, I'd pulled my night pass because we we'd been told that the weather was going to be a lot better on the south, and it just was. When yes, we got uh, up to that that coal with Huber. It was terrible, and you know, it was unwatchable yeah. and really bad, and it was a waste yeah. of the of it. I wish I would have gone later because I maybe would have been smart and followed you. But they, uh, just a, a, such a smart move, and I, I wanted to. I, like I think, I think a lot of the teams, um, you know, their their supporters are are really helping identify launches and and finding out the weather and passing that along. How, how much are how much are you relying on Tobias or your team to find launches versus you? Are, are you are you are you picking out the places to go or uh, and and. I'm going to tag on one question to that too. What what resources are you using? If you're comfortable, you don't have to spill the beans. But um, are you using other than your team? Yeah, our strategy was that the team was watching out for for takeoffs. It means I had two guys at home. They checked in the Google Google Earth mm-hmm. um, where I can go, and they they was able to send me some tracks which I can import in my mobile phone mm. to navigate. And my supporter, Tobias, was checking these tracks or these routes, if, if it makes sense or not. And if he, if he says, okay, it looks good, um, I import and then I go this, this uh, I follow this track. But um, finally, there was always um, the goal to have information of my team and when I feel in my stomach what to do, then it was the best. So the final decision I took myself and often it was a gamble. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's another, in an adventure race, it's, it's never clear what it's the best to do or what's the best next step. But there was, was two guys, they was helping me and I know how they work, how they think. And finally, I did a decision, yeah, which I was not really sure that it works, but it was maybe a decision which was the best motivation. Because um, when I went to the south from Matterhorn, the weather forecast for French part was not so good. Mm. And I really wanted to go to the French part because it's flyable. Normally, it's 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 very efficient in, in, the, in the air. But... It's 100 kilometer more and the weather forecast was bad. So I had to go the straight line following uh, Italy. And I really hide the flat of the Italy part. Yeah, it's terrible. But there was so many signs that it will be better on the Italy part that I had to go this, this route. And finally, I found um, my my motivation that I say, Okay, I did four time X Alps in the French side, and now I will discover the Italy part. Mm. And this this um, idea gives me a good motivation to go full speed in Italy. But mm. I really was um, thinking about for two or three hours in the race why to go to Italy because it's a bullshit. It's flat. It's not flyable. It's it's <laughs> horrible. <laughs> And then I found, um, okay, I have to go there because I never was there before. And um, yeah, this this idea gives me the motivation to go to Italy. And finally, the other 
like um, Benoit and Paul, they was following me and I thought, okay, it's a good decision. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tell me, just to, we'll take a, a break from the seriousness. Tell me about the, the flight where you got blown out of the mountains. You had thousands and thousands of people, including myself, watching that going, holy shit, he's just hit airspace. And I thought, this is just going to be so interesting if he hits that airspace. And you just did this little kink of a move just around that CTR. I, was, I, yeah. I, I can't imagine doing that flying at 100K an hour. But was that, was that really scary or was that air not too bad? It was a crazy day. It was yeah. the, 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 um, how do you say? There was the X-Alps day in five editions, which I was uh, making the, the less and the minimum distance. Yeah. And after, after this flight, it was eight hours of competition in the day. And it was just 20 K <laughs> and, and it was so horrible. And the problem was that in the morning, um, the first takeoff was in the cloud. And then I thought to continue the ridge, to go higher and higher, maybe to have the wind for soaring. And then they came um, thunderstorms more than the forecast says. And I was waiting in a storm for one more than one hour. Then I go up to the next stop and the wind was from um, more than from southwest than from northwest. There was many different um, compared to the forecast. And then I took off in the west and I bombed out. So I had to walk up again 200 meters. And then I launched um, into the other side in the lee. And then I bombed out again. And after the, the next 600 meter climb, there was perfect wind. And I took off and Immediately after the takeoff, I felt, okay, this was a mistake. <laughs> it's so hard wind and the climb was four meters everywhere. Mm. And in the West, the next storm um, came and I really wanted to fly into the, to the valley, to go into the Alps, to, to, to the West part. Mm -hmm. But after this, um, I think the first five minutes for me, it was clear. It's, it's too dangerous. And then I turned around. First, I, I was spiraling down to have less wind in the in the valley down. But it even 500 meters lower, there was strong wind. And then I decided to go out in the flat to to, to stay safe, just to stay safe. And then I turned around, and it was 90, 95 in trim speed. So I was flying full speed to have more than 100. <laughs> And it was crazy that I flew out 17K. And in this 17K, I made 2K direction Monaco. So <laughs> it, it was it was a flight like, uh, like uh, it was for nothing. Yeah. And I was walking up for, for four hours, four and a half hours. I'm bombed out for two times. And finally, the flight was 17K. And I made 10K direction Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> it was so horrible worse, worse than a sledder <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable and and finally i was thinking about um why i did such a mistake and for sure the weather forecast was different but finally it was just to try to have the possibility to fly and then it was a little worse and for sure walking was better but but um, my strength is to fly and so 
it's it's the game so try always to do the best and if it's not possible walk then you you can walk and yeah after eight hours of <laughs> competing this day i was really um afraid and I, I really want to push on the ground and then in the next five i did 40k on the ground Jeez. and finally it was it was 50k uh, 50 i think 58 or something on the day Big so it day. was not a really ba- bad day but but it was not the the, the really good feeling to yeah. make all the good decisions yeah. it was a uh, you know when when you when you do it smart, it's um, a good feeling to to end the day. But when you have to to really to push and to to run, then it's not a good feeling. Sure. And yeah, it was a hard day in the flat after, and I was totally tired. But uh, <laughs> it was crazy experience, and I think it's good to make this experience once in five years or five editions. <laughs> <laughs> Even you have so, to make some mistakes sometimes, but yeah, no, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was that was fascinating to watch. I was I was yeah. not not envying you as you were getting blown out of there. Oh, anytime you're flying 100k, it can be a little nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. um, okay, a couple quick questions uh, more of the X ops, and then we'll we'll switch gears here. But the, these two, I I really do want to ask you. Um, in the 2013 race, when you had the really good weather, I, I think I have this right, and if I'm wrong again, correct me. But you you had a really I, I understand you had a, a really scary flight uh, over the Furka, and when you landed near your house, and you were you were quite emotional, and I think it was yeah. it was really uh, great. I think for for many pilots around the world to hear that even Kriegel gets scared, um, yeah. and and I, I just want to know, you know, we all get scared flying at some point. Uh, what, what do you do with your your fear? How, how do you how do you manage it? And then, and then also, you know, you showed me these beautiful videos of your kids uh, learning how to fly uh, before the race when we were in in Salzburg before the gun went off. Uh, yeah, I think you have a six year old and is it and ten? Seven and nine. Seven and nine. Yeah, you, yeah. You're, and they're they're learning how to fly, which I thought was yeah, so yeah. cool. But so so, to, I guess two questions: how, how do you manage the fear, and then also how do you justify the the flying with your and with your kids and does it make you nervous mm-hmm. that they're learning now yeah it's it sounds crazy but when i do crazy things or the competition like x house i really focus on the moment on my on my own or on or on my problems and there is nothing else and so i say when when i as long i can focus really on this on the problem or on the fact um I can compete, but when I start to think about other things or about my family, I have to think about stop to, to do competitions because then it starts to be danger. Mm. Mm. So there's one part. And I think the other part is that, that in, in, when I was young, I realized now, 10 years after, I realized that when I was young, I really risk all the time. I, I take risk in all the flights just to have fun. And now I realize that it's not smart. And I try to risk only when it when I can gain, when I can win something. So I can have less risk during the year or during the, the, the flights. And also in the in the competition, I try to risk only when it really 
need um, or when I can win something. So um, as often I I can, I try to to fly like uh, with more safety to to have less risk. And when I know that I uh, have to risk in the moment, I do this really focused. And it helps me to 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 be more safe, I think, because um, to fly and to think about no risk, it's more dangerous than to fly and to know that it's risky. Mm. I, like I think that. with all the experience I made, now I can I can feel better when it's on the limit. When I was young, I never feel that that it's on the limit or that I do something uh, wrong. I, I always think about um, everything. It's okay. And now with all the experience, I, I feel when it's dangerous. And so I say during a, a day and there is so moments, they are really dangerous, but all the other moments, it's not dangerous. So I have, or I, I, I try to switch the focus. It means when it's not dangerous, I can relax. And when it's dangerous or it, it starts to be dangerous, I can really focus on the moment. And that was two, three times um, really in a in a bad situation. It was um, when I come to Switzerland. Um, in the afternoon, there was very windy on the south. And it pushed me down to a hole uh, where it was uh, some kind of north fern. And it was really turbulent on the ground. And I, I realized that the, the landing now will be really risky, but I had always no other choice. And then I was um, looking for the biggest field and I was spiraling down like a ground spiral because of as long I stay in a spiral, I have a lot of pressure and, and I'm more resistant against the gusts. And with this ground spiral, I was really um, focused to to land safe. And when I landed, there was not too much wind. But after, when I packed the wing, there was gust about 50, 55 maybe. Yes. And I realized, okay, this that was also a bit of luck to to have no problems. Mm. But um, yeah, the same was on the second day when I took off in the in the lee side of the uh, Alps in the in the south of the alps there was strong north wind and i realized that the, the start it's the the most um difficult part of the flight to fly away and then in the wind it's not the problem but the, the takeoff will be danger it was not strong wind but turbulent mm. downwind and i really was waiting there for 10 minutes to understand how is the wind? What what's going on with the gusts? Um, how often they come? How fast? How turbulent they can be? And then I was really waiting for a good moment, and then I took off. So it means to realize that it's a dangerous a dangerous situation, and then to 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 check um, how what can be the problems or what I can do that it's most safety. And that was the goal. And finally, it was working well. And this was a really um, typical situation um, where I know that if I can go in the air, I really can win a lot. 
mm. because after I was really fast in the front yeah. because of this flight. And I know that that the point is it's not easy, that the takeoff is very riskful, but if it works, for sure it's uh, um, very efficient. And so I, I try to switch during the day, during the race, be- between um, relaxing, enjoying, and really focusing, concentrating on the, on the, on the risk. Hmm. Kriegel, when you, when you look back at the, at the five wins, and I know you're humble. I mean, this is, this is a pointed question. This might be difficult to answer. Uh, there's, I think there's, there's all the obvious things that we can all point to, but like if you could narrow it down to three things, what, what are the three things that you most have that the rest of us don't that, you know, when, as the days go by, uh, it just gets harder and harder to reel you in because of these decisions, like at the gas tall, um, and being able to fly in that strong fern, uh, you know, it was, it was a really amazing move. And you talk about it being a gut move and kind of intuition, something that just feels good, but is there, you know, maybe this is something you've been able to identify when you're doing your coaching as well, but you know, like, what what are the what are the pieces of this chess game that you're playing better than the rest of us? Yes, it's interesting. I think that my my experience of the competition is it's it's very helpful, mm. and the experience when I was young and when I tried when I ground handled the wing in in when I was ten twelve I started to ground handle with the wing of my father. And with, with, uh, yeah, I was too young. I was 14, 15. I start to, to fly a little and I really play a lot with my wing. And I, I think that this feeling of, of this, um, part of life, it was really, um, um, it helps me to, to get a good feeling and yeah, for sure. It's, it's all of this experience together, which, which, which you need on, on this adventure. But we discuss a lot about what's what's the difference, and I think I, I I like to gamble. So it means to take a decision and to follow this to the end. If it's good or not, the most important is to follow to do what what I really feel is the best, and then to take some decisions which are in the best case it, it's very efficient. And in worst case, it's really bad. But to to find the the the, um, the balance be, between the risk and how 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 good is the chance that it works, I think that that's always a gamble. And I I really like to gamble. And, and most of the athletes they they don't want to risk. They really want to to go safe step by step to Monaco. And I think in an adventure, it's just not possible to go always with the best decision, always with the, with no risk. I, mm. I mean, sportive risk, not mm. not um, sure. about safety. I mean, I mean about if it's flyable or if it's um, nice to 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 be there. Um, yeah, it's it's a sportive risk, and I really like to to risk um, if it's possible or not. And I also really often think about the best case i i don't think about the worst case and 
to focus on the best case, I think it's it's more more important, um, and it gives you the possibilities to do this. It means um, when I launched in Meran, all the people they say it's not possible to to fly to Baldo because of the valley breeze, and in my eyes, the best case was to land to top land on the on the Monte Baldo. And I really was focusing on the best case. And finally, it was not really possible, but I ran quite close. So I almost get the, the best case. Mm. Mm. And maybe this also is a big difference to the most of the athletes. But I know that it's when I do coachings, I try to, to explain how, how it can work or we train, um, how, how to think about the best case. And I know that it's really difficult because it's a, char- a characteristic of a people. And there are many people in the world and some of the people, they are always positive. And some of them, they are negative. They always think about the problems. And a people, they think about problems to switch, to think about the best case. That's, that's not easy. Yeah, that's maybe not teachable. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for me, it's a big, big luck. And I'm really happy. I'm very happy to, to know that I, that I can focus on the best case and not thinking on the, on the worst case. When I was young and I won some competitions, I was not realizing that I'm able to do this. But now when I work with Thomas, he can explain me about um, how it works in the head. And, and he said, it's a big advantage I have. Um, to think about the best cases. Mm. I yeah. think that's a that's a it's a great point. As I uh, went, after the last race, I went back and and really watched the 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 race again. You know, you can play it back. They had it up yeah. for months, and yeah, that's um, interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I I remember you know when when I fly you know here at home or you know when I've done my good flights or in Alaska, that's these kind of places, the, the, the weight of the decisions is, is so much less because I don't care if I land in the middle of nowhere, you know, I have some stuff in my bag and I can walk forever and it's no big deal. But in the X Alps, I find that when I watch what you do, you're, you're, you're very often going back, you know, you're, you're going back to a climb or you're, you're, you're yeah. making moves that are taking you well off course line that if they don't work, yeah. you're putting yourself in a, in a, in a worse place, but they, yeah. but they work because they're the things that make sense. But I think many of yeah. us really have a hard time doing that in the race because you <laughs> instantly you're thinking, okay, I've just, I've just hiked 6,000 meters today. If I bomb out again, if I, if this doesn't work, I'm taking, I'm putting myself in a, in a tougher place. And that's hard. What I think about, um, the, the sportive risk, it means when you, when you take 10 times a day, some risk, it means to fly back for a better climb or to, Mm. to, to have a better line. Um, then it's it's very important to have success because all or each success makes you stronger in the head. It means um, if you risk ten times and it works for nine times, then it's it's more efficient than if you um, risk just three times a day and it's three times it's working. Hmm. So it means it's better ninety percent 
of of um, of luck or of working than 100%, but with less um, tryings. So it means it's better to to always try to to have luck to optimize, and sometimes to have a bad luck. Sure. But if if less you try, um, if less efficient it is. Mm. So and and it makes it makes always sense to me to try, minimum to try, and yeah, if, if you don't try for sure, it will not work. <laughs> yeah, Kriegel, in your, in your coaching, what are the um, what are kind of the three things that come up again and again? You know, the things that you see that that people need to work on, whether that be mistakes or lessons, and and if you can break that down. With the beginner pilot, the intermediate pilot, and the advanced pilot, and maybe they're the same with all three. But what do you, what are you kind of constantly going? Okay, here's what we need to work on. <laughs> I think the, the most of the pilot they ask how to fly more safe, and I think that it's the wrong question how to fly more safe. I think you have to think about you like to fly or not or you like to risk or not. And all the pilots, they fly good. This is a, a, a person they like to risk. They, they Normally they drive car, they drive fast in the, in the road, they go in the mountains, they do climbing, they do skiing, you know, they, they really do, they like adventure. And pilots, they really stay careful and they, they like to life. These pilots, they are not not free and not good in 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 this sport, yeah. and and this makes often it makes the difference. But um, it, it, it's very hard to teach um, how to fly more safe. For sure, it's it's good to 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 have the um, the view of uh, you know the bodybuilder, for example. They they like to go on the podium and show the muscles, and that, that they can win the the competition, they really have to go into the fitness center and to train every single muscle. And for for the training of the muscle, you have to think about the the exam and the machine you choose, and you have to think about the weight you choose and how many um, um, moves you do. You know, and a bodybuilder really need a lot of training otherwise he losing the competition and the paraglider pilot they they just like to fly and they don't do any training they do they, they often they not they, they don't like to to train ground handling they don't really do safety training or maybe once a year and maybe they they, they do one full stall alive <laughs> and it means they are many muscles that are not working well, mm. but they really like to go on the on the podium and show the muscles <laughs> to win the competition, and it's just not possible. And um, do a coaching, I try to to speak about such points. It means to 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 visualize um, the life, the, the the problems, and to, and when they when the pilot can see. Um, or find the motivation to train the, his muscles, 
then often it's a good way or a first step to, for example, fly more safe or to fly more efficient. How much do you fly a year? Yeah, personally, I do around 300 hours in a year. Okay. okay. So, but also 300 or 400 flights. It means with the Accra flights, they, they, it's, uh, it's eight minutes normally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it takes eight flights, 10 flights a day. And also some cross country flights from 10 to 12 hours. Mm. And the average is around 300 hours. Kriegel, you, you've spoken of, you know, when you're flying, you need to be doing one of three things. You're climbing, you're gliding, or you're planning. I think I saw that yeah. in a, in a, uh, in an article, uh, that, that I don't want you to break each one of those down, but how do you approach that when you're talking about coaching? I mean, to me, I, I got a lot out of that because to me, it was what that means to me is there's, there should be no time in the flight where you're not really concentrating. Is it as simple as that? Or is, you know, break that down. Yeah. The, the idea about this is to focus on the moment. It means, um, it starts at the takeoff and pilots, they think about landing before the takeoff. <laughs> they are not free to focus on the takeoff. So to have a plan where to fly and maybe to land, it's important. But before the takeoff, you have to have your brain free for the takeoff. And after the takeoff, it's to, to find the thermals. And then it's not the question about how much speed or which line you have to fly. It's more the question, and um, where is the place to climb? And then to focus on the variometer, on the on the turn you have to do, to to watch out for signs like birds or other wings. And if it's working and you can climb, maybe in the upper part of the lift you can think about the next glide. And when you decide to to glide then you don't have to think about terminaling. Then you glide to the point where you decide before. So it means to switch the, the, the mode or the focus. I think it's very important. And as better you can do this, this mode, as more efficient you can fly. For sure, it it's, depends on the conditions. When, when it's climbing everywhere, it's very easy. Everybody can do it. And if it's um, not climbing, then it starts to be very tricky, and you have to to switch in a survival mode to to really to stay in the air. But as soon you can climb a little, you have to think about transition, and then you have to think about how much speed, where to fly, which line, and then to reach this point where you think to climb. But to fly more efficient, it's also good to have more um, than one point, than one spot to f to fly on, because when the cycle of the thermal is not working on the on the first spot, you immediately can fly to the second or to the third spot. And from outside, it looks that you fly straight on the on the right place, but what I really do is to fly from one spot to the next spot where I thought before that it should work. 
and and I think there are many things to focus, but you have to think about while flying. <laughs> how, how much of your flying, Kriegel, do you do you attribute to intuition versus this kind of calculated decision making? Yeah, yeah I'm I'm specialist. Uh, I just lead me by my stomach, so it means calculation. I don't like so much because I'm not good in calculations. <laughs> um, I don't like so much the facts. Um, it means to have weather forecast, to know how much wind, to to know how much wind is on the ground. Because I say I can't do something else, then I stay in the moment. So the moment and the the facts in the moment are important. And so I when I when I see a storm is coming, um I don't have to calculate how much wind they come out and I can land. So I I, I just feel I, I can fly more forward or I have to land. But it's it's the most most of, of my decisions from the stomach. <laughs> um I don't know that this is going to be an, something you can answer, but year after year, I, I got my first taste for how you do this. You, you won't have even remembered this day, I'm sure, but years ago, before the 2015 X Alps, uh, it was a pretty good day in Fish, and and I was flying, and I think you launched after me, and we we got down to you know where you kind of typically top up to push into the glacier, you know, above the lake, right at the mm. Furka Pass. Or the Grimsel, sorry, the Grimsel Pass. Grimsel and Yeah, and 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 I did what everybody else does there. We we all got high up to cloud base, and then we pushed across. And I looked below me, and there was this glider right on the terrain, flying straight as an arrow into the into the let's call it a turn point. It wasn't a calm mm-hmm. or anything. It was just you know flying into the glacier, and then you turned around. I say you because later I found out. And turned around and flew straight, and you know you just did this big triangle, and and you you made in your comments. I had to I had to translate it from German, but you made in your comments that you didn't turn, you know, and yeah. and I, is this been something you've been working on from the beginning, or just you know, I, I, like I've been told that you you know when you do your triangles like up to Zermatt and stuff that you do it in 43 minutes. And so the next time you try to do it in 42 minutes, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just a very different approach. But when I, when I look at, when I look at your, you know, for example, flying to Monaco year after year, you're the only one that does it. You're the only one that makes it down there. You got all that sea breeze, all that headwind. You did it again this time. It, you, you fly straight. And I, I, I don't think any of us understand <laughs> how you do that when there's so much wind. Is that something yeah. you can answer? Or is that just intuition? <laughs> but yeah, that's always the situation which makes it possible to to fly straight. But I think that my a friend of mine, uh, when he was really young, he say, "Okay, w- while turning, you fly fifty percent in the wrong direction. <laughs> so <laughs> let's fly, let's fly straight." <laughs> and it really makes sense. And I, I really. Um, with with the new wings, even with with the three line, and now you can fly straight, 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 and and just turn when it's really important. But as long as you can fly straight, it's much more efficient mm. because of of no turning. And on the terrain, it means on the on the ridge or on the mountains, 
you always have this warm air which climbs a little and on, on this little climbs you can fly straight 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 and while climbing you get the strong lift but after the lift you have thick air up high because it's no no warm air from the terrain coming up so it means after turning turmaling um, you for sure will glide down and when you can follow a ridge you you not really climb but you you don't lose altitude so it's more efficient to fly straight on a ridge like quite low than to turn up and, and glide down hmm. and are you are you right on the terrain i mean are you literally yeah. just right off the twin the the tree the tree tops yeah okay. it, sometimes for sure it's it's strong lift and then it's also up high but but um when you come low you can follow the the cliff and often it's better to fly quite slow it means trim speed or just a little of acceleration instead of turmaling and fly full speed mm. so when you when you fly you can calculate when you turn you turn 50 percent in the wrong direction it means instead of um 60 you fly 30 mm-hmm. and when you fly trim speed all the way it's 40 yeah sure. it means it's it, it's um it's double speed uh, it's almost 10 more and it makes it more efficient and more relaxed normally so. <laughs> um totally different subject before the last x-alps you had an accident and you you uh broke one or two ankles one the right ankle the right ankle have you had other accidents no that's no, I, I was. I think I was quite lucky in this. I fly eighteen years now, mm-hmm. and I had after sixteen, I had the first accident, and it was in a in a flight from Sermat with the tandem with my with my wife. So it was uh, after a, a long hiking flight. I was really tired, and I have my backpack on with uh, fifteen kilo of climbing gear, and finally we land in a in dash and my mistake was not to to have the big field um i was trying to land as close to train station as possible <laughs> and in the, into the houses there was in the evening at six there was no wind but there was some turbulences and finally it feels like falling down from um, altitude of house so it means 10 12 meters it was always uh, free fall i think it was the same sink rate like with the reserve mm. around six seven meter per second and i i even had more hard landings before or after but it was with the back protection on the harness and i was really focused on the hard landing and in this case i was not thinking about the problem i was not thinking about the hard, hard landing and the last two seconds of the flight just went down and and so i think because i was not focused on the problem um i broke my leg and sure my wife i I hold my wife and we we had light equipment so no no back protection i i realized in the last second i have to stay on my feet and not on my ass because of my back um so it, it it was not really a crash but it was too much for my ankle so 
I broke them and uh, <laughs> yeah, finally we was very lucky that it was just my ankle and not the back of us too. Gliding, what can you pass along uh, to us about how you seem to glide so efficiently? And again, I, I know that this is a hard thing to, I've asked many of the pilots on the show about gliding and Russ Ogden actually had a really uh, cool thing to say about you. He said, you know, listen, most good pilots, even decent pilots have all the same knowledge that Kriegel does. He just executes it better. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I often find it, you know, I haven't been flying it nearly as long as you have, but I often find gliding, you know, sometimes, you know, you find convergence lines and it's real obvious and it's really nice to get a nice line. But other times I find it quite hard to identify if the glider is, is pulling me into more lift or more sink. You know, it's that, that very fine line I, I find can be hard to identify, especially on bar. And, you know, maybe if you're mm -hmm. not on bar, it's more sensitive, but, um, what, what, what things can you, is that something you talk about with your clients a lot? Yeah, but I think that's a very difficult part because there is gliding, the feeling for the lines and how much speed it's, it's the best. And there is climbing in Termling. And for example, in the World Championship, World Cup, there are 120, 150 pilots, and all of them fly the same wing and the same wing load, same harness, everything is the same. But from this 120 pilots, there are maybe five, they are able to climb better. Hmm. And maybe 10, they are able to find the good lines. And I know, for example, that, that my, my strength is to fly fast in turbulent conditions, but not to climb in weak conditions. So to find the good lift, the core of a thermal and to climb well, I'm really bad in this. And I really spoke with the, with this um, five people, they really climb well. And I, I was not able to to find out what I can change to have a better climb. You know, the, there is two aspects. One is to know from the other what's, what, what, what it's fact. And the other part is to, to change on myself. And finally, I just realized that I'm not the best in climber, but I'm really good in, in uh, high-speed finals. So I, I try to focus on my strengths and to accept my, my weak points. And it helps me to, to stay motivated in a competition, for example. But for sure, when it's a, a, a day which weak terms, I know it's not the day to win, hmm. but they are maybe another day which strong conditions. And I know today it's my day and I can compete well. So, and, and, and this is the fact, but, but to, to know, about the feeling in glide and in climbing, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. It means on a, it means on a good level. It means for a student, it's, it's more easy to explain how to climb and how to find the good lines. But in, in this level of, of, of world cup pilots of this 120, the level is so similar, but <laughs> still differences. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you could, 
if you could go back to your kind of 50 hour self, I mean, that was probably when you were 10 or 12, maybe you can't even remember it, but, um, <laughs> what, what would you have done if you could, if you could rewind the clock, uh, back to that time, would you do anything different? Would you, would you heed any advice that you maybe got, but didn't heed or would you train differently? <laughs> would you? Yeah, definitely. I, I would, um, not flying a high performance wing so early mm. because I was too, from a, from the, from the school wing directly to a high end wing. <laughs> and for sure the step was too big, mm. but I was not realizing that it's dangerous. And the other part is to, to not risk too much or not always risk so much, but it's very hard because I know that while this experience I did, I really learned a lot how to, how to do it. So it gives me also a lot of, of, um, feeling and, and, and know how, and finally I say, okay, there was always too much risk, but it was important to make this experience. So it was, it was very hard to, to teach my brother when they was learning, um, this infinity tumbling. He was asking me what he can change, what he can do. And I want him to push, um, to make a mistake, but I want, I, I also want him to help, um, to be, to be better. And it was a very difficult, um, to, to, yeah, to understand, to, to, to understand what I can help him. Going in the other direction, you know, you, you, have ticked the world championships, you've ticked the acro, you've ticked the hardest race on earth. Um, what do you see yourself doing in five, 10 years? <laughs> uh, I say when, when I can compete in, uh, in hike and fly competition, uh, I really like to do this, um, but my, my body have to, to help me to train, to be ready for the races. And for sure, I like to, to spread my experience in, uh, in coaching, in tandem flights and also in speeches to companies also. Uh, I think that, that, uh, I also work with the Swiss league to, mm. to help the, the, to, to help other pilots to, to improve her, her style. And yeah, I hope to fly as long as I, I can <laughs> because I really like to fly. What I, I want to be mindful of your time, Kriegel. I know it's getting late and you're, you're part of the world. I, I have so many more questions to ask you, but maybe we can do a follow-up episode or something, but what, yeah, what, what sure. kind of, what, what would you like to impart on the, on the kind of the flying community? I mean, I think there's going to be so many people here that, that really want a, a, a takeaway. They're so inspired by what they see you doing. They're so kind of mystified by what, what you're doing. Um, what would you say is, you know, how, how can we as pilots emulate what you're doing and, and become better? What, what are the things that you would suggest, uh, that they focused on foremost? You mentioned like ground handling and, and SIV, uh, you know, maybe it's, is it, mm. is it more the, is it the foundational stuff? Is it just no. hours? I really think that it's very helpful to think about the personal goals, to think about why I do paragliding. Um, and then to realize, 
okay, this is my goal and there I want to go. After you can think about the time you spend for the sport and then maybe to think about optimizing some parts to reach the personal goal. And for sure, if the goal is very high and maybe needs the, you know, the, 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 the goals before the, the, the small steps to, to, to take some, some courses to make um, training, spe- specific training to, 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 to practice more hours and to reach a goal. But I think first of, of, of everything, it's, uh, it's good to think about a personal goal and to know why um, you do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final question. If you could do an XALP style event anywhere in the world, but not Switzerland. (laughs) If you you could do it anywhere, where would you like to to do one? That's a good question. (laughs) Definitely not in the flat. (laughs) 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 I think the the Indian part or the the Himalaya will be very interesting because it's, uh, it's, it's, everything is more extreme. It's more, more difficult, but, but it's also more, uh, more an adventure. Mm. Yeah. It, it, I think the Alps, it's very easy because the, of the people living here, of the infrastructure and to go out in the nature where you stay really out, it will be more hard, but also more in, in, interesting. Well, we would, uh, I know our, our tiny little community here, uh, Nate Scales, who you, I think you know from the 2007 race and, and, uh, myself and our little community, you know, we, we like to, we get really, really tall here and we fly with oxygen and we would sure love to have you come out here and show us how to fly. It's, it's, uh, it's big air. I think you would really Uh enjoy it. So maybe maybe one of these days i can come i can talk you into come and visit i think you would really yeah. enjoy it it's a very different kind of place but Krivo, cool. thank you so much uh thank it's just such an honor and uh, i can't wait to share this with the world um thank you so much i'll let you get some sleep bye bye ciao okay, bye. Bye. well i hope you enjoyed that uh amazing to sit down with uh not arguably the best pilot in the world. Uh, so awesome to watch him win, and just yeah, I mean it's incredible the 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 amount of talent and you know the guys that he's beating in that race is uh, it's really a feat that he's pulling off again and again and again. Five wins in a row, just truly phenomenal. Something I don't think we'll ever see again. Uh, so my takeaway uh, right when I hung up with Kriegel after after we we closed um there's there have been a few pretty serious accidents uh here back in the states when i was gone and it made me think about you know one of the things that i think is a major misconception when people watch something like the x alps is like god these guys take so much risk and i have to say you know in the last two you know the last two races 2015 and this one you know certainly there are times when we're flying in in what i would call very non-recreational type air uh pretty strong stuff but you know you can kind of see it in the results there were a couple accidents for sure from flying most of the most of the you know people folding were because of exhaustion or blisters or something non-flying related but 
I think it's hard for people to understand the, the amount of training that goes in. And what training gives you is a margin. And, you know, the, the more you train, the more you can handle. And Kriegel talks really eloquently about that in this podcast, just about how he, you know, eliminates a lot of risk through very serious pointed training that's, that's, it's not just going out and flying around. It's very purposeful. He's learning, he's adapting, and he, he makes some, he, he makes some comparisons to other sports, you know, like even backpacking and trekking and, you know, just being adventurous that I think really apply to piloting. So that was one thing I just wanted to throw out there is, you know, if you don't have the training, if you don't have the foundations, if you don't have those skills, then, you know, you need to apply that to what you can do. You need to reel it back and, you know, fly within the, uh, you know, the wind levels and the day levels and the time of day and the places you're going that suit your skill level. The other thing is time. You know, what I realized, you know, what a lot of the ex-alps pilots have, including myself, is a lot of time to dedicate to this sport. When you have a lot of time, you can choose the days better. Obviously in the X-Alps, you can't choose the days, but you, you know, you, we have the luxury of backing off when it makes sense and not flying on a certain day when it's not epic. Whereas when you don't have a lot of time, let's say you're a hundred hour pilot a year, as opposed to, you know, most of the X-Alps guys are 300 plus easy. You know, when you don't have the time then there's all this pressure, it's Saturday, you've only got the weekend. It's not as good as you hoped. But, you know, it's Saturday, you've only got this one day. Be cognizant of that, be thinking about that before, you know, you pull the trigger and go into the sky. Cause it only takes once. And I think that's what's getting a lot of people is that there's all this extraneous pressure uh, that, you know, that works its magic on our minds and our minds don't, they don't, they can't handle it as well. So anyway, just a little hands up to, remember what we're doing, what we're participating in. Uh, I hate to harp on the safety stuff too much, but it just made me really mindful of it, you know, talking to Kriegel that there's a lot of things we can do to dial it back and to be safe and have long, uh, happy, fulfilling careers in this sport and, you know, and not get hurt. And uh, that's what this, this podcast is all about. So, uh, as I said at the top of the show, this is a listener-supported podcast. There are various ways you can support us, uh, either through Patreon or PayPal directly, or you can also uh, share it with your friends or uh, put up a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, however you listen to the show. And uh, I've got some great giveaways for any of you who do. Uh, that very cool GoPro knee mount that uh, Ben gave us, Ben French down in New Zealand. And also, uh, after this one wrapped up because Kriegel was pretty tired. It was getting late in his part of the world. Uh, I still had a lot of questions that you uh, had given me through the Facebook. I put up a post there that I was going to be talking to Kriegel and ask for questions. Got some fantastic ones. We didn't have the time in this one to go through them, uh, but we did a follow-up and I did ask him all those questions. So if you want to get that, we're going to make that available only to our Patreon supporters. So go to patreon.com forward slash cloud-based mayhem. Uh, if you're not already a supporter there, uh, sign up. You can sign up at any different level. All we ask for is a buck a show, but if you want to sign up for more, there's things like trucker hats and t-shirts and books and all kinds of stuff uh, as a thank you for doing that. And we're going to have that that episode up, that kind of bonus episode up here 
in a few days. So uh, check that out. Also wanted to announce that North Unknown went live on the 17th of July on Red Bull TV. So it's now available for free on the interwebs. If you have Red Bull TV at home, you can watch it on the big screen. Uh, it's also available online. Go to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Gavin N. McClurg or website, cloudbasedmayhem.com. You can find the links for that or just Google it, North Unknown, Alaska Traverse and uh, highly recommend you watch that on the big screen. The scenery is pretty insane and uh, really proud of this film. It's been doing great at the film festivals, winning lots of awards and uh, yeah, just a cool, very, very cool project that took a lot of years to put together. So hope you enjoy it and I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope to see you on the next one. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Cheers.